Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to Upfront. I'm Chloe Morgan. And I'm Rachel O'Sullivan. Here we go, 2023. Upfront is back for a huge year in women's football and what better way to kick it off this weekend than with Arsenal versus Chelsea. The Titans will be previewing that game as Arsenal begin life without not only Miedemar, but also Jordan Nobbs. There have been a few big moves in the January transfer window already, so we'll discuss them, plus the stories we think you should look out for in 2023. First of all, welcome back, Football Beyond Borders and Dulwich Hamlets, Ceylon, Andy Hickman. Hello. Hello. Hiya. Good to be back. Welcome back to the booth. Back to the Theatre of Dreams. Oh, I do love that name. I really it love nice that name. It is nice to be back. And also, grand. I feel like I should start by saying, because of me being on this podcast, my mum and dad have started listening to the <gasps> podcast. Amazing, we've got new listeners. But they've fallen in love with you two. Oh my God, that's yeah. now four people. What the yeah. hell? They're I mean, like, yeah. We love that Irish girl and Chloe. <gasps> well, including my mum and dad. They don't know my name. <laughs> it's, it's fine, at least they remember your name. <laughs> but they've started listening. They just listen to every episode now. That's their really WSL knowledge is, is growing. Wow. Yeah. What are their names? We want to see what's going Gail and Julian. Gail yeah, and Julian, Julian, this one's for you. We dedicate this pod to you specifically. That yeah. Irish girl says hi. Yeah, 100%. And the other one says hi. That would be me. No, um, they knew your name. Knew your name. They knew your name, just not mine. Oh, they knew my name. Well, I think oh, they did know your name, name, but you know, they're just like, oh, just I also respond girl. to that Irish girl, so it's fine. Yeah. Uh, that's what I've been calling you to my friends, to be fair. Oh. Sozzles. Uh, Ceylon, what have you been up to? Christmas, New Year. I know you had a game cancelled. Uh, you ate an enormous amount of sourdough. Talk to us about that. Yeah, it's always the way, isn't it? On a Saturday night, if you think you're playing on the Sunday, just the carb loading. And I decided to go a bit rogue this time. No pasta, no potato, no mm. rice, just pure bread. So ate like a loaf of sourdough. 
Does it, don't you like cultivate it? Are you like cultivating a? Are you yeah, making I've got a, one inside I've got a your starter? Inside yeah, that's, the, that's what it's called. Yeah, yeah. This is the it's the millennials that we are. You know, you've We've got just, to any avocado on there. Uh, no paprika. prawns, anchovies, that sort of thing. And then Sunday turned up, got changed, did the team meeting, went outside, started started warming up in the bands, and then over the tannoy, Sutton United went. Uh, this game is now called off. Savage. <laughs> Whilst we're on the pitch. So then I thought, well, I'm going to have to burn this sourdough off, aren't I, somehow. so This is such millennial chat, isn't it? it? It's good, though, that we <clears throat> feed ourselves because it's not like we can really afford anywhere to live. So we need to stay warm somehow. Oh. God, this got awfully eat, depressing eat very food. quickly. Cost of living. Yeah, 2023. Energy crisis. We've got to bring some revolutionary energy, agitational energy. Okay, anything more positive from you over the new year and uh, in Christmas, right? Uh I went to Ireland and had a nice time. Lovely. Yeah. Family time. Yeah. Really appreciate that. And we went for our first little friendship tour down to Folkestone. It was really cute. Stayed in a lovely little place. Uh, we went on the, the beachfront, didn't we? For we a did. nice little fish dinner. We took our football friendship beyond borders to uh, uh, nice. to, to real Thanks. life friendship. Yeah. So that was nice. Yeah. We should do that again sometime. Maybe. We'll see. Um, well, you said, you said you'd write me, write me back. Uh, uh, we're reviewing at the moment. All right, tumbleweed moment. Okay, cool. Well, I'll be going down to Folkestone, so if you happen to be there, that'd be amazing. <laughs> Next podcast. Chloe turned hang up. out with my Uncle Trev. Yes. I'd love to hang out with your Uncle Trev. Trev's a DJ, just uh, as a bit of context there. Um, over the years, I went to Gran Canaria with our old friend of the pot. She's very old now. She's backing into the 40s. Uh, Jenna Scalacci. Um, yeah, we were sunning ourselves on the beach, which was bloody lovely. Um, nice little resort. The average age was about... 75 to 80 it did get a little bit frisky at points but uh, <laughs> you're going to have to give contact <laughs> not between me and Jenna it was a very interesting we hotel to, that we, we... turned to football quickly this Good is going weirdly downhill watching. 100% shall I move on very very swiftly um I mean, talking of great breaks and great uh, content over uh, the new year and Christmas, I mean, we've seen some amazing stuff coming out from some of the WSL lot, haven't we? I mean, Sam Kerr has been on flying form on Instagram, as has the missus, Mewis. Um, it's a very interesting shots of, of them two uh, over Christmas. Have you seen them, guys? Yeah, it's my favourite thing from over the break. Seeing, I feel like you should elaborate. Yeah, just I just love the, uh, I guess, the casualness of mm. which they just have a good time, don't they? Sam Kerr on a beach with a pint. Lovely. Like, she's one of the best athletes in the world. Best women's one of the best women's footballers in the world. And she's there just unashamedly with a pint of lager. Then another thing, she's got a can in her hand. He's like, you live your life. You, you know what? Your life. It makes me realise how pointless dry January is. Mm. So that's what that's what that showed you. Yeah. To me, I just think she was having a break from all the fashion advice that the missus has been giving out, you know, <laughs> sitting around waiting for bags of clothes to arrive. Um yeah, I mean I've absolutely loved it. She wants a simple life, really, doesn't she? Just beach. A quokka and a, a quokka and a, and a lager. <laughs> what else could you want? Uh, Alicia Lehman has also been on the socials. I mean, she's living her absolute best life. She's now got four billion followers. Is she you still can quote with, that as a fact. Um, half the population. Is she still with, with her villa boyfriend. No, I think they're split. Oh, oh, they break up. When move they break on. up? Yeah, let's let's move swiftly. This is on. not what this Sorry. podcast is about. Maybe we should stick to the real football and not the <laughs> gossip. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously we've had a uh, a big. A big couple of weeks, haven't we? Big news coming out, big transfer window. I mean, we've got to talk about the first one, I think for me, Jordan Nobbs leaving Arsenal after 12 years to join Aston Villa. Uh, obviously the longest serving member of the current first team squad. I mean, big, big, big transfer. Uh, in a letter to Arsenal uh, on the website, she said, I've cried a lot over the past few days because I knew this was coming and now the reality of it all is really setting in. Uh, there's a saying that you shouldn't cry because it's over. You should smile because it happened. But I'm allowed to do both, right? Oh. 
Oh, come on. That's got to pull at the old heartstrings. It, it, it was coming. pages. Yeah, but it was coming. And I think probably a lot of people were surprised she didn't go in the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's only fair that someone of her calibre is playing football and not on mm. the bench. But yeah, she's an Arsenal legend. There is no doubt about that. And it's almost lovely when you see a player leave a club like that. I know the player didn't want to go. The fans didn't want her to go. But, you know, it happens in players' careers where they have to think about they have to put the football first, right? I know you're obviously in a really great environment, really great teammates, but at the end of the day, she needs to be getting um, game time. But it's so nice to know that she will always be loved and always be a club legend. And, you know, she's won so much with them. Arsenal through and through. Um, you don't get many transfers. You don't see many transfers play out like that. And you just know that when Arsenal play Villa, pretty sure it's the last game of the season, potentially. That's pretty tasty. No, but there's going to be so much love for her when she yeah. comes back. And I just think that's so nice where a player's given so much to a club and, and it's a, a Brilliant signing for Villa. Absolutely brilliant. As well, I just thought the the letter was really tasteful and really beautiful. The way that, I don't know if she wrote it or her team wrote it or whatever. I imagine she probably put pen to paper herself because it's such an emotional thing, isn't it? Um, But I just, I I really appreciate the raw emotion that was allowed to be surfaced in Mm. that situation. Because it is like these ties... These the ties are deep. Like the in women's football, it's, the squads are less transient and fluid, mm-hmm. right? So some of those players, like what is it, Beth Mead, six years, Katie McCabe, I think Kim Little. I know she's Kim had Little. a return, but she's been there a long time. Leah Williamson. Leah Williamson's been what at Arsenal since two thousand and six as a kid. Like these players are so bonded, and that is your every day of the last however many years of your life. Thirteen years for Jordan Nobbs? Was it twelve, 12 years? Arsenal, yeah, twelve years at Arsenal with these same players that's why it means so much that's why you saw the like you know flood of emotion imagine like in your own life like your family or your colleagues or your friends and suddenly you just you're upping and leaving that environment that you've been in for the last 12 years of your life with those people it's quite a mad transition and to just go into the training ground one day and be like I've got to go now I've got to say my goodbyes See you on the last day of the season. Oh, you're being bits, absolutely like, bits. I feel a bit emotional. It's just, not like it's not the same talking about it. But you know, even being in a job, I know personally, mm. there's jobs I've stayed in for the people and for the environment, and not because of the job, not mm-hmm. because the job was serving me particularly well. And it's, you know, a similar situation on a much grander scale where she's probably stayed longer than she should have footballing wise. Yeah. A lot to do with the people around her and the and the club around her, but. She deserves to flourish. Yeah, massively. I think, uh, and like you touched on there, Rachel, I think, you know, sent last summer, I think that was probably the time that she was considering moving. Um, but from some of her comments, it seems she was held back by Ada Volley, wasn't ready to, to let her go. But I think, you know, she, she has struggled with game time. Um, and I think for me, it signifies quite a good move for her, you know, moving forwards, wanting to maybe prove herself. So obviously, we've got the, the World Cup coming on. She's going to want to impress Serena and get some game time in, in doing that. But um you know, it's a massive move for, for Villa. I mean, what, what do you guys think it's going to gonna mean for them? Because they've been doing business, are, this transfer window. They are doing some serious business. It's a good example of what can happen if you give a manager a bit of time, mm. right? Like it wasn't, you know, sometimes the expectations on managers, I'm looking at you, Everton, you know, to just suddenly turn everything around within a season is a bit ridiculous. And Carla Ward has been given time. She's been given time to like think about what her team needs, who fits well, and is being allowed to kind of piece it together. And, you know, Daily, Dally, um, daily, Jordan. What, Dilly Dally? <laughs> no, <laughs> Dilly Dally, Daily, Daily Dally, Jordan Nobbs, Staniforth has also just gone there. Yeah. Like, they're some solid signings with some really good experience, but they're also quality. Mm-hmm. It's, I've, I've likened it to a slightly older team of Avengers. 
Like that's what they're assembling. <laughs> yes. what? Like they are assembling some like legends who are slightly like not in the top realms of like everyone knows who they are mm-hmm. or as in and the outside world, not in women's football. Slightly like have their fly time. under the radar. Yeah, fly under the radar, but have had these periods of just like consistent quality. And they're building this squad that you think, like, I'm rating it so much from Villa. I'm so excited to watch them play. I mean, we're going to get onto it in a minute, but I think it would have been more interesting if Beth England had gone to Villa. Imagine that as oh well. Like, just start building that, right, okay, you, you're, they don't really want you or play you over there. They don't really want to play you over there, but we do. Come to us. And then you just they couldn't so, afford it's like Beth an evil genius. Probably, I was going to say, yeah. True, yeah. I mean, that's probably the Ching. entire annual budget for Villa. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you make a statement, right, through yeah. who you want to sign and go Clever. out there and sign. And Villa are making big statements. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Ward said she's appreciating it's a big signing for them. You know, she's a winner, bringing in experience, helping cement her place back in the international setup. So I think... Yeah, Nobs is going to be one to watch, especially with all the part- new partnerships that could be forming uh, for them. So yeah, let's um, let's wait and see. They'll be playing this weekend. It'll be interesting to see whether Nobs is in the uh, in the starting lineup. Um, another lioness uh, deciding to leave one of the big guns, Beth England, uh, moving over to Spurs for a record-breaking fee, two hundred and fifty thousand pounds, which is obviously huge. Uh, she's been at Chelsea since 2016, signed a four-year deal for them back in 2020, but never really managed to have an extended run uh, under Emma Hayes as her first choice striker. Um, to me, I feel like a, a pretty bloody good move considering Spurs are in the market for a decent, consistent striker and uh, Beth England's not been getting the kind of game time that she wants to. That feels like a really bloody good fit. It's about time. I think a lot of us were thinking she was going to go somewhere either on loan or as a, as a permanent transfer probably at the beginning of the season definitely thought it was going to happen in in the January window you know unfortunately with the likes of Beth Beth Mead picking up injuries there's opportunity sounds terrible but there's opportunity there for players to kind of make their mark and they need game time but a bit like Nobs I know she loved Chelsea she was Chelsea through and through Chelsea loved her um and it's probably why she's been there for so long Mm -hmm. um but yeah like there, there comes a time you just you have to put that career first and she's won plenty of things now with Chelsea um, and it's clearly about getting into that England squad and getting game time. But she's too good to be sat on the bench. So I'm hoping, I've been hoping she'd get a transfer and I'm hoping she goes on to kind of um, make a mark at Spurs. I think it's a lot of pressure on her as well, though. I think it's a wonderful move for all parties. The clubs, Beth, I think she needed it, as as Rach said. But I think it is a lot of pressure. They're a struggling team at the moment. They're coming on off a, a run of quite bad form pre-Christmas and they're missing goals and they've just signed it you know she's not she's not going to be a silver bullet to all of their problems Mm -hmm. but she might be expected to be from the outside world a little bit looking in you're thinking right well now now you've got no excuses you've got you know Ashley Neville can ping a ball in Beth England can put it in the back of the net she'll Mm -hmm. be in the box and I think that's quite a lot of pressure to go in but I'm hoping that well I think Beth England seems to be a player that she just really wants her opportunity right and when she when she's on, she will work so hard. And she's, you know, she's worked really, really hard in that Chelsea period to keep trying and knocking on the door. I remember the documentary they did behind the scenes at Chelsea, right? You get a sense for her of being like, I want my spot in that team. And mm-hmm. now she will she will work hard for it in, in the Spurs team. But I think they've got a lot to sort out. And it, she she's not going to be the answer to all of their issues. But I do also think if you sign a Beth England as a team... You think, well, now we've got someone who can score goals. It almost changes your mentality as as you're playing because you're thinking, well, even in the darkest of times when we're pinned back, if we just go route one, mm-hmm. get the ball to her, she might do something. And I think they've been missing that. Yeah, I'd agree. I, I'm not sure about how much pressure is on her, though. Like, obviously, she's 
a big, you know, signing, particularly financially for the team. So there'll be eyes on that. But realistically, Spurs aren't going to make top four, top three. Um, and they're, Is that your bold prediction? Well, yeah, it's that bold. Um, <laughs> That's pretty obvious. They're not going to make top three and I'm fairly confident they're not going to get relegated. So actually, the pressure is probably coming from Beth herself because she knows she needs to score goals to get Serena Wiegmann's eye, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like Spurs, th- there will be some pressure in terms of performance, but it's not like there's, she's come in and like, now we have to get X because we've gotten you. Um and I know we have, I have particularly the last, you know, year or so said Spurs need to get a to get a good striker. But you do have to factor in that they are missing Rhea Percival, Kit Graham, Kaya Simon, Ellie Brazil. You know, th- the three of those are goal scorers. So there's also factoring that in that they do have those players coming back as well. So I think Beth is also a long-term investment for them, obviously with the price mm-hmm. she is. But when you've got the likes of those names back in with someone like her, they can actually start to... to push forward and I think this season maybe there's just less pressure on Beth to kind of get them to a certain point mm-hmm. because I don't think there's I think it's picking up points against the teams around them and that's where they were struggling this so far this season is picking up points where they should I think um, that's the thing I think it's, it's a perfect move because Spurs are doing so badly so the impact that she can have could be fairly instant I mean she's got five months to prove herself before you know the we're looking at the World Cup and who the squad's going to be and I think for her like you said the uh, the pressure is internal because she's going to want to make an impact she's been left on the bench for for such a long period of time now that I think this is her chance to really go out there express herself with a side that that is really struggling I mean just looking at some of the stats on on Spurs you know currently eighth lost the last four games only scored three goals since their eight 0 win over Brighton um, so she does have the she, I mean, it's all there. It's all there for her on a plate. Um, so I think it'll be really interesting to see what, what she can do. I mean, like you said, they're not in the Champions League spot. They're a long way from cementing themselves really as a sort of mid-tabler type thing. But this season's been particularly disappointed. And, you know, this is a side that has come up at the same time as Man United. And you see where Man United are and where Spurs are. And the difference is stark. Um, you had to get that in, didn't you? <clears throat> I did. <clears throat> did you know she likes Man United? Yeah. I had to throw them in somewhere. They're not even mentioned. Oh, We've not even mentioned them to, you today. You can mention them in that final bit, you okay, know, about your bold it predictions. It's been two weeks since the last <laughs> what podcast, two, three weeks even since the last podcast and no one's given me a chance to say Man United. So You've said it twice now, so Man United. <laughs> All right, the big one is back. Arsenal versus Chelsea, Sunday at 12 o'clock. It is going to be the game to watch this weekend. Uh, the sides are meeting for the first time this season with the title race on a knife edge. But for Arsenal, this second half of the season is already looking like an uphill battle. It's their first league game since Vivian Miedemar ruptured her ACL in the Champions League against Lyon in December. She's already announced that she'll miss the World Cup, which I don't think was was much of a surprise given the, the length of the rehab period for, for these injuries. Uh, and she, of course, joins the misses, Beth Mead, on the sidelines. I mean... How do you think Arsenal are going to cope this season and in this game in particular without them both? It's um, it's two big losses. I'm still in mourning. Um, it's it's going to be tough. Like I actually thought they looked really good against um, Zurich in the final UWCL game, um, where I thought they might struggle. I thought they might struggle, kind of both from fatigue and mentally. And I think if it was Arsenal of last season, it would have been a very different game. Um, so that is definitely like a boost. They're going to have. Lena Hurtig back they're going to have Kim Little back which is massive um, but Tim Stillman wrote a, a really good kind of mid-season review on, on Arsenal and he spoke about like when Arsenal were missing kind of Sousa and Williamson in defence um, 
they, they that kind of impacted a lot of their build-up play because they're often involved in those build-up plays. You know, you think those Leo Williamson balls pinged up um, forward, but what they're missing now are the key players that finish those opportunities. And last season, between Mead and Miedema, they were involved in 66% of Arsenal's goals. Ooh. Not a lot then. So that is going to be... That's, I think, an area that they might struggle with. And they haven't been scoring as many goals as um, last season. So that's an area I think um, Idavel needs to fill. It's a hole they need to fill. And, you know, obviously he's brought in some really good youngsters. I'm, I'm not sure whether they're going to be the immediate answer. Um, but you've got your Hertig, your Blacksenius and your Fords. Like, they're going to have to step up for sure. Yeah, I mean, you've got experienced players there already, like you said, to, to fall back on and rely on. The depth of the Arsenal squad is is amazing. And, you know, you touched on there the Arsenal signings. We've got Catherine Cool coming in from, and I hope I pronounce this correctly. Oh, don't even try. FC Nordsjelland. Yelland. I was Nords- actually just listening to Tim Stillman's podcast about her, and I'm not even going to try it. Nordsjelland? I, I don't know. Why is she that. looking just like we know? Yeah, <laughs> like blank faces. I think her name's Katarina Cool. Uh, Maybe I'll just refer to her as a a 19-year-old midfielder. Uh, She's cool. (laughs) Just call her cool. Cool. That's the easiest bit to pronounce. Cool. The 19-year-old midfielder uh, spent three seasons at the Danish side, helped them lift the Danish Women's Cup and represented them at Euro 2020. So she's a bright spark. The red cards, though. Yeah, actually, okay, right. Forget the red card. I was actually going to say, I remember her standing out for me when I saw Denmark yeah. play a couple of times. Mm-hmm. And I was like, who is the youngster? Like, yeah. she, I remember messaging Sophie and being like, that number one, like, she's really good. So, yeah, she is definitely an exciting, exciting talent. Well, Edeville is very, very excited about her. So she's one of the brightest talents in Europe, bringing creativity to the midfield. And he's very interested in developing her. Obviously, she's still very young, coming into a very experienced side. So it'd be interesting to see, maybe not this season, but seasons going forwards, what, what, she, uh, what she's capable of. She has been dubbed like the next best thing to Penilla Harder, like as in to come out of Denmark. That's what I've seen on wow. Twitter. Yeah, yeah. Is this your big prediction for 2023? <laughs> <laughs> it's not. It's not. No. We'll, we'll get onto that later. All right, sweet. All right. You, 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 oh, I'm not teasing it. But someone from Denmark, I think, was saying that. So, oh, you keep you know. your cards close to your chest. All mm. right. Uh, second big sign in, Victoria Palova from Ajax, uh, Dutch national midfielder, competed in the Euros, um, bringing sort of strength in depth after Nobbs leaving and obviously Vivian being out injured. Uh, Idaval again, uh, you know, really excited about this new sign in, bringing dyna- dynamism. Uh, and energy into the midfield so you know some big strengthen of the, the midfield there for, for them but um, yeah it'll be interesting to see who they're going to be starting in this big 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 game let's put some flagpoles in the sand shall we what are we saying Arsenal-Chelsea um, oh it's hard with Arsenal-Chelsea isn't it because the um, sometimes the occasion you build up to it so much that you think you know this is the title defining one and there's I think it's always surprises I always I think there's obviously all the beef from last season with the the first game of the season, the Arsenal Chelsea, where Arsenal won three two, mm-hmm. was it? And the that Jonas Idavel picture. Who was allowed to celebrate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That 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 picture, and then the recreating <laughs> the Cuthbert and Millie Bright recreation of that. You know, it's all lingering. Really, don't want to predict this, but I can't see this current Arsenal team winning. I think Chelsea will find ways to win. And I think it will be 2-1. 2-1. Or even 1-0, Chelsea. All right. There you are. Sorry, just I've really... Literally just taken that out of my bases. mouth. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, potentially 1-0, Chelsea. I think Chelsea are better at exploiting teams' weaknesses. Mm. And at the moment, I feel like Arsenal have a bit of a weakness, have a bit of a, a chink in their armour um, that I think Chelsea can exploit. 
I think we might be surprised at how Arsenal come out. I think we're all kind of maybe expecting them to 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 really struggle, and we might be surprised. Um, but God, when you think back to the beginning of last season and they played Birmingham bottom of the table as their first match back in January and mm-hmm. lost, and now they're playing Chelsea top of the table as their first match back. Um, yeah, as you say, really hard to call, but I'm going to say Chelsea edge it. I've got to agree. I've yeah. I've got to agree. I think it's going to be a tight game, but I think it's going to be two 0 Chelsea. Um, yeah, I think they just look too strong. And I think Arsenal suffering the injuries, seeing knobs go, I think it's a bit of a shaky start to 2023. And Chelsea have been in flying form. I mean, finished uh, just before the winter break with a 3-0 win over PSG. Mm-hmm. Emma Hayes calling it her favourite performance of the season. I mean, both sides have had very strong performances in the in the Champions League this year, which has been amazing. Um, but yeah, I mean, Chelsea's much improved performances in, in Europe this season. I, I think that's a, that's a big one um, for yeah. me, confidence-wise. Yeah, I think... I mean, I've, I don't think they've played their best football. I think they've, I've seen them play better football. Mm-hmm. But I think in Europe, it shows a real maturity that when they're winning, when like they're winning when they've not always played well. And, and the experience in the group stages over the last couple of years, it feels like they're less rushed or stressed when goals aren't going in or when they're not winning games at, where they're on top or where they're dominating. And I think in previous seasons, we've seen them try and force it because in the group stages, you you know you kind of have to keep winning if you want to get out of the out of the group. And I think that pressure has gotten to them. And we've seen it a little bit in performances in Europe where they all, they get stressed when they're not scoring. And then I, I'll always remember that 3-3 game. I can't remember if it was Wolfsburg maybe. Um, and you could just see that, you know, dominating it, weren't scoring the goals, capitulated mm-hmm. and conceded and then managed to get it back. And I think they're, they're calmer in that respect when things aren't going their way. And I think that's come with maturity and experience. And if you're just comparing the two sides very, very bluntly from their forward lines, like Kirby, Guru Wrighton, Sam Kerr, mm. Lauren James, it's pretty terrifying compared to... Aaron Cuthbert from outside the box. Aaron Cuthbert, mm. like uh, Jesse Fleming, like compared to what is Arsenal's front line going to be? Black Stenius, Ford and Ford, McCabe. Ford, yeah. Kate McCabe. Frida like, Manham in behind yeah it's just the lethalness of Chelsea that is the thing that they've got goals you look at that front line and you think well they're going to score and they've got goals. consistency yeah. they play together that that yeah. that way all the time whereas yeah. Arsenal are probably kind of moving chess pieces a little bit if Arsenal do it it's going to be like a proper gritty dig your heels in get a snatch a goal and then we will we will like firm up and win this I can't see it being like this full flowing fluid game watch, watch where Arsenal create loads of chances they'll win 3-0 on yeah. Arsenal. Yeah. I hope they do I really hope they do because <laughs> I don't know I'm, I'm quite up for a season of Arsenal taking it back mm-hmm. and also the Arsenal men winning it in the same year I think that could be quite sick to have we've never seen that before have we a Premier, have we, no. well no we probably have actually probably before my time as an Arsenal women and Arsenal men winning the league at the same time. I don't remember when Arsenal won the Premier League. It's a long time ago. Um, yeah, I agree. And I think just touching back, I know we sort of um, briefly mentioned there sort of the loss of, of Vivian Medebar as being one of their sort of um, chinks in their armour going forwards into this season. And I think, um, you know, we keep touching on injuries as being, uh, you know, such a, a massive endemic in the in the WSL. I love that word. But it has been, a, you know, a demanding few years for, for the schedule. I mean, last year, obviously, we had the Euros. Now we've got the Women's World Cup coming on. Next year, we've got the Olympics. And then the Euros all over again. Um, plus, obviously, you know, the players are playing out the WSL fixtures, the Champions League, the FA Cup, the Conti Cup fixtures. 
the Arnold Clark Cup. Um, there's a there's a lot going on. Nations League is coming. The Nations League. We've got new cups starting. It's um it's a lot, and I think the pressure on the players to perform. You know, particularly I think um there was a really great article from um Casey White in the Athletic, sort of talking about some of the game time that some of the players are having in particular. You know, Millie Bright. I think it's on about a billion minutes this season. Yeah. Um. I yeah. Love that when you just don't know what the actual number is, you just say a billion. billion. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's so just who's um, got six billion Instagram followers. That's the thing that the uh, the upfront everyone knows the upfront listeners know they can come to us for some hard clear cold facts it's yeah. anywhere between 500 and 6 billion it's <laughs> mental that Millie Bright's had a billion minutes like wow what a woman but I do think obviously you know a part of that you know we've seen so many you know horrible injuries taking place Beth, Beth Mead Vivian Minima Alexia Pitellis not to, not to name a thousand that have happened <laughs> <laughs> Should we, have you got the list? Actually, no, that is 1, the number. 1,002. <laughs> it could be 998. It's something like 57 sure. ACL injuries across the Ooh. major top six leagues in, in like, you know, end of Brazil, French League, German League. Um, 57 this 57, season. 57, I think, is the number I saw in 2022. Okay, wow. Thank God for bringing some realism to those yeah. figures. I just really appreciate to hit you in the gut right there with that. It's close to a thousand. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it is. Just add 950 and you're, you're pretty much there. Um, but I mean, a lot of the factors at play there, sort of, you know, biology, the, the shallow squads, uh, not enough data, especially around sort of women's health, uh, ill-fitting boots, poor pitches, just to name a few. It is worth at some point where we talk about the other end of the scale where you've got clubs and teams that just aren't playing enough football. There's like mm-hmm. a massive disparity um, in the league. But when you think about the fact that we already had a Euros missing Pateas and Katoto, uh, now we've got Mead and Miedema, probably going to miss the World Cup and, and God knows who else. As you know, there's so many injuries now at this rate. I know, you know, Jess Yu from Ireland has done her ACL. She's probably not going to make the World Cup potentially. Um, but it just feels like players are just expected to kind of ride out the next couple of years mm-hmm. until I think 2026 when we actually have a summer with no major tournament. Um which just seems like that's absolutely insane. They're being treated like commodities, I think. They're they're being treated as like just go out there and do this thing that we want you to do, like rather than really thinking about the fact that they are people mm-hmm. at the end of the day. And ultimately their bodies are their tool to do their job. And there's enough money in the game to be funding research and providing the right facilities, opportunities, equipment to ensure that clubs and national sides are able to provide players with everything they need to be at the best of you know to give their body a, the, a fighting chance um essentially but yeah i just at the moment i think that's how we should be showing our our commitment to the game how uefa and fifa should be showing their commitment is not you know look we've a new tournament or we're going to add eight more teams to this major mm-hmm. tournament it should be doing the the and maybe they are but they're not talking about it um it should be doing the work behind the scenes to ensure longevity in the game for players careers not just about a tournament that's going to make more money like, yeah, okay, putting research into things may not be making you money straight away, but it is going to, you know, extend the careers of top players and, and ensure that players are able to continue playing longer. And, you know, we've got top quality football. Um, and I just think we need to be an awful lot more proactive about things. I think because the game is so young, we're still so reactive to stuff that happens in the game and there's no reason for that. We should There's enough money to be proactive and to be trying to stop things from happening rather than reacting to when they do. Mm. Yeah, it's about the provision of of medical services and the access and the speed of which you can access things right I don't know what, what it was like for you playing and being in the Spurs setup or you know how how easy was it for you if someone got an injury how quickly would you be going for that scan getting the diagnosis getting the rehab like often you know when, when you don't have the resources my assumption is actually that you don't that process takes so long mm-hmm. for for teams that don't maybe have you know the budgets of like Arsenal or Chelsea and even there you know I don't know what's going on there but 
Yeah, I think I mean it was a, it was a difficult time. I think because it was such a transitional period when I was with Spurs. We were going from Championship into into the um, WSL, and um, there was a load of things that were still sort of being worked out behind the scenes, the medical insurance, and um, weirdly, I mean, it was quite good in a way that you know as part of our contracts we did have to have medical insurance up to a certain limit but then once that budget was exhausted then that pl- you'd have to wait until the next season or you'd have to make a special case to the main club for some provisions and I think it's the case now still with a couple of championship teams and I don't I don't really know what the situation is with the WSL teams but they do have a set limit on um, how much that budget is for how much they can use so if you've got one ACL injury when you think about that that surgery in itself is about I think it's anywhere between about eight or twelve thousand pounds it's not a billion pounds so <laughs> I've come down slightly on my facts um, but yeah it's about eight twelve thousand pounds for an ACL injury plus all the scans that you had before that plus all the the preoperative assessments uh, and then also the rehab and the resources that that takes up and checking in with the player so you only need a couple of those sometimes uh, in, a, in a squad as well as you know other, the other stuff concussions that kind of thing and already your annual budget for medical insurance is eaten up so that's one thing that I think clubs maybe do need to work on and sometimes I mean back in the day this is a fair few years ago they'd just say oh just go to go to the A&E you're, mm-hmm. you're better off it'd be quicker for you to just go down to A&E and get things sorted out rather than um, making use of the, the private budget because we don't know when that the next private assessment is which is was a bit weird. This is when we talk about equality, right? Mm. This is what we're talking about. And it's also equity between clubs, right? It shouldn't be that if you play for this club that's first or second in the table, you're going to recover from an ACL injury far better than someone who's in eighth and ninth. Mm-hmm. There should be uh, an equitable access to medical care, I think, across the leagues. And that's where investment should come as well. Mm. It's not just, obviously, wages, but we're not asking for yeah. women's players to be paid the same as men. It's about, like, equity and access to treatment. And that's the the bit that kind of frustrates me the most, that we don't have that level of access and that it's all reactive. And if, mm. as many people said, if you had, like, Mbappe, Messi, Ronaldo, like, all of them with ACL injuries in the men's game, they'd be throwing money at the problem mm. is it is exactly the sort of the thing that isn't spoken about because it's not glamorous in terms of we talk about the growth of the women's game increased investment commercialization people on the Jonathan Ross show like cool that's great but it it means nothing unless that is invested in the resources where it's most needed i mean there's going to be a new chief exec of the WSL uh soon to be announced i meant the recruitment was like before christmas like they were looking for some someone with commercial expertise right if I was chief executive of WSL tomorrow, create, as Rachel said, a central pool that is a medical budget, access, whatever, where pe- clubs can draw down. You know, even if you're a Leicester at the bottom of the league and you're really struggling and your gate, your gate's not good enough, and your sponsorship's not good, whatever, your budgets are smaller, that should not prevent you from your centre forward doing your ACL and being able to get the same treatment that mm. Vivian Miedemar might be able to get because otherwise the gap will just... Yeah, grow like Im- immeasurably, and then we'll just be in the same position as the men's game, but worse because the medical services aren't. You know, there's not like a base level. It seems in the women's game, like there is if you're a men's Premier League club or championship. And, club. and we talk about being more proactive rather than reactive, and it's something that um, Dr. Emma Ross said on our ACL mm. podcast, um, which you should go back and listen to, mm. um, about how a lot of the time. They're having to react to an injury. So that idea of researching ACL injuries and trying to figure out why it's happening or how it's happening or what's caused it is often quite difficult because players are being asked about it after they do it. Mm. You know, and you've got some clubs now who have enough money to be able to track, you know, we see Chelsea doing it, tracking periods, everything, you know, every 
percent is being tracked so that you can get the best out of your athletes, which is great. But not every club can do that. And that's an area that needs looking at because if we're tracking everything, we will learn so much more about injuries and when they do happen, because we're not, like she said, going back and saying, well, what day were you in your cycle or how did you sleep the night before? You know, this was two weeks ago. Can you remember, like, did you sleep well or what did you eat or were you hungry? Mm -hmm. Like stuff like that and that kind of stuff being tracked across clubs rather than just at the ones who can afford it again that's about like equity. but I think that is definitely improving I think even at championship level the majority of the championship clubs would be wearing the GPS on the back and I know even with you know I can only speak about my experiences really with, with Palace and obviously with Spurs but that kind of data was tracked so that but it was a very short-term thing it was mm-hmm. like okay well this player has played uh, x amount of minutes uh, in the last month so therefore for this month we're going to shorten it down or whatever but what we don't have I suppose because the GPS trackers have only started to be used sort of in the last couple of years or so especially for well Arsenal and Chelsea are probably been using it for quite a while but because you don't have that long-term data yeah. base level that that yeah. is it's very difficult to kind of and because then those players then move on to other clubs because the contracts are so short you don't actually get a consistent set of long-term data which you can work from and kind of establish patterns from so mm. I think that's also an issue and then you're also working with you know other external variables the pitches the um you know the international fixtures the you know the menstrual cycle so it's um it's a it's a massive problem. I mean, it's a massive. I mean, it's a data collecting massive problem. And I think it's also interesting, just from a legal perspective, sort of pushing this forward into slightly something GDPR. a little bit different. Is GDPR one hundred percent GDPR? Personal because data. A, a lot of times that you know the clubs are collecting this data, they're not actually getting the proper authorities from players about what data they can collect and also where that data is being used. And I think mm. you don't have to look at kind of the men's game and there was that big hoo ha in the um, the men's World Cup about. You know, can we use the data of, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo's heartbeat when he's taking a penalty? But those kind of bits of data are now being used as a commercial, they're a commodity. Um, mm. So I think that kind of data also has the potential now to be sold to companies or sold to the, you know, the rights of that data. Should We need to start looking at expanding the WSL and championship contracts to include provisions that include how that data is being used, what information you're giving to players about that data and whether you can actually use that data to be sold elsewhere for private companies to be investing in the support that some of these clubs might need. Do we need that central? Just throwing that we need the central kind of budget. Central budget for all this stuff, a central hub of for health, I suppose. Where, data and health. But that data and that player tracking is all in one centralized place where when players move club I just you know, there needs to be some level of, you know, long term research. Okay. That it's not mm. just a here and now situation. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com work. Shopify.com work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. All right. Well, moving on to a slightly more positive note. Uh, looking ahead to 2023, I've heard it's going to be a big one for women's football. Um, right. We're going to ask a few questions now. Going to ask you questions. So you're going to have to do some soul searching, guys, and um, look deep within yourselves uh, to find. First question: What's the one story you're looking forward to in 2023? I'm, I know I'm supposed to pick like probably something small, a mm-hmm. small, but I can't. I, the whole World Cup, all of it. I'm so excited about it I've been doing a lot of planning over the Christmas and early January and it's just going to be such an adventure there's something different about covering a tournament the other side of the world we did it with Canada mm-hmm. you're out there you're out there for the whole thing there's no kind of popping back like we did in France or you know feeling like we could drive there like we did at the Euros in mm-hmm. the Netherlands you know um, so it's that adventure that I'm really excited about and obviously the fact that I can also see Ireland as well as England at a mm-hmm. major tournament just doubles the excitement. So we'll be going out there a few weeks before it starts to do a little bit of traveling. Um, but that is the, you know, the biggest thing about 2023. Like you'd think you can't top 2022, but I'm, I think 2023 is going to come close. Again, I think it's, it's got to be the Women's World Cup this year. I mean, I'm going out there with my mum to do some traveling a little bit in New Zealand beforehand, which would be really cute. Um, it's the first time I've ever been out there. So it'd be a great opportunity to obviously like go and see the beauty of, of both of those countries. And, and I think it's just going to be incredible having the whole of the women's football community out in one place. And in my head, I thought it was going to be like shorts and t-shirts weather, but I've since it's been not. told to pack a rain jacket. Um, but I just think to have that kind of, you know, so soon after the Euros and there was such a buzz around England and what they're going to be achieving. And, you know, they're obviously one of the favourites in going into the tournament. Um, so for me, I think, yeah, it's going to be, I mean, it's up it front, down be. under. Up front, down under. Up Did front, you? down under. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I, I think we do our final episode on the steps of the Sydney, Sydney Opera House. Do the there. whole thing. Oh, in my God. That would oh, be yeah. gold. Yeah. I'm going to sound like Julia Gillard for like a whole month. <laughs> and then can you imagine? It's going to be just, amazing. We're we managed to get like speech. Serena coming in drunk at the end of the time. She just like sits on the steps of the, and we just do a massive podcast. Yeah, probably not going to happen. But maybe we can find Rachel Brown Finnis again. Yeah. yeah. I'm saying yes, she'll be out there. I've got the Opera House in view. That's that's, that's it. That's what you're saying. Yeah. 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 Hopefully, Charlie and Finn are I have no idea of the geography of Sydney. Where is the stadium? No. I've heard that all the cities are about 20 minutes apart so it should be easy yeah it's yeah, easy yeah. you can drive it yeah, yeah, yeah. gonna do the fan van again mm. <laughs> <laughs> alright Ceylon let's cut to you then she's been typing because we've bigged her up so much she's been putting in There's some beautiful words right, I've got go. two. four paragraphs I've got of this go I've got on. a meaningful one and oh, then I'm gonna oh, I'm go. she's gonna done go the meaningful one meaningful because one. we've bigged her up so much go on <sighs> yeah exactly that. make I'm us cry the pressure um, I would love to get a young person to the World Cup in Australia I think that's that sounds a bit ambitious got to go through all the safeguarding stuff but imagine some a girl from London, Manchester, Birmingham, wherever you know we work, who fell in love with football during the Euros and like 
had that really powerful transformational experience of watching this Lionesses team and feeling really connected to them. Like, it is a big consideration that the World Cup is on the other side of the world, kickoffs are 7, 8 a.m. in the morning. Like, it's more inaccessible for a young person to watch. Imagine doing that and just then following, following the Lionesses and being able to continue that passion at a really formative age as a teenager and have an opportunity they'd never have. So any potential sponsors, brands, anyone who wants to sort of pay for that and uh, help me get a young person to the World Cup, that would be really appreciated. Always rely on Salon to make us feel like absolute dicks. And she makes her point. I was just like, why did we pick ours? It'd be nice just to see the country. Ours is terrible. Yeah, and then... I'm going on holiday. Yeah. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also going on holiday. That is also I mean, I am working. But if I bring but a young person, then I that... will have to work, you know. But that would be a lovely responsibility time. That sounds beautiful That's and I just feel like an asshole. Can I say my other one then? Yeah, yeah go on. It, it, uh, needs to be, it, it needs to be like, One yeah. story I'm looking forward to in 2022, Lauren James has come up. Her starting 11 for England, Delete that out of my smashing point. the World Cup and just becoming the player. The icon. She, you know, she deserves to be Lauren James this year. All right. Do you know what? That was her point. But because we bigged her up so much, she went and typed up that beautiful piece beforehand. It was, wasn't it? That's our own fault. Yeah. Um, so we did that. Um, you know me too well. All right. One player listeners should watch out for. Well, I can't say Lauren James. Lauren no, James. Well, you can't. You can't. Mine's no. Lauren James. Right. What? No, I'm joking. It is Lauren James, but it also Vicky Lopez. Vicky Lopez? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, why? 17-year-old Barcelona. Read somewhere. Don't know if this is true. 60 goals here. in 17 matches. Sorry? Yeah. I saw that don't, on an account, a popular that women's football like account. That sounds like something Chloe would say. That does. 60 goals in 17 a matches. A billion goals. It's on a popular like... women's football account. Won't name it, but that's that's what they said. But under 17 Women's World Cup player of the tournament, Spanish international, made a debut for Barcelona in the Champions League. Attacker looks like she's going to be just pure fire. So Vicky Lopez and... Um, Lauren James. All right. Rach, what we Bloody saying? Bloody hell. Um, well, I did have Lauren James down. Um, I won't rehash <laughs> that. Um, I'm very sad that Jess Yu from Ireland is injured. I'm not sure if she'll make the World Cup, but she would have been one, I'd say, to look out for. Um, Arsenal's youngsters, very exciting, the ones that they've signed. But I am pulling for Jordan Nobbs. If she makes the World Cup, I she's one of the unluckiest players in terms of major tournaments and injuries. Um, and I am hoping that she has her Alexandra Pop moment mm. at this World Cup. What, misses the final? No, Alexandra Pop oh. had such, such bad luck when it came to major tournaments and she was tied with Beth Mead for she Golden did. Boot and yes, I know she missed the final but she had a bloody unbelievable tournament. Mm. Everything she touched went in the goal. So I'm pulling for Jordan Nobbs to hopefully make the England squad and have her Pop moment where she she storms the, the World Cup. That's a sick one. Yeah, yeah that's, I like that's that. pretty good. Um, I mean, for me, I mean, I don't. I mean, listeners who obviously are into women's football anyway should probably know that Guru Ryson for me. Oh, I think um, my favorite. She's already one to watch. She's been one to watch this entire season. But I feel like this this season she's really come into her own. And yeah. I think the deliveries that this kid is delivering, and she seems to get better with every single game. And I think this year is really going to be her sort of coming of age moment. She's so, quite understated, isn't she? Mm. Yeah, she's she subtly goes about her business, but she does her business so bloody well. And she's like a silent assassin. 
Like, yeah. She's so smiley, lovely. Hi, hi, hi. Bang, I am going a, to ruin what you. What did I say? Smile More up. crosses than a church, that woman. Like, More constantly. crosses than a church. Whoa, that is killer. Left and right. Like, seriously, her assists are ridiculous. Yeah, she's unreal. It's just those whipped in bulls. They're a goalkeeper's nightmare. <laughs> um, but yeah, she's my one to watch for, for this season because I think she's been absolutely outstanding. I can only see her going from strength to strength with every bloody game. So it'll be interesting to see her actually this, this weekend. All right. One bold prediction you see coming true this year. Um, Rach. Man United will win a piece of silverware. There you go. Whether it's the Conti Cup or the FA Cup. I don't know. But She's lost her head. Yeah, I know. Come on. I'm doing that for Chloe. <laughs> and also potentially someone else other than Leon or Barca to win the UWCL. Mm. Might we see it go somewhere in Germany? Okay. Oh, if Georgia or come home. I mean, I know it's, I know it's bold, but um, that's what the question said. So I made them bold. All right. I like it. Say long, what we saying? Lauren James. Oh my, my God. <laughs> Did you like cheat and just write her name down under you every an- <laughs> answer under every question? Lauren James will win Everything. PFA or Ballon d'Or. Ballon d'Or. <laughs> you said be bold. Yeah, but not reckless. <laughs> I want to be bold. I once actually said in men's football, Naby Keita would win PFA Player of the Year and that's never, ever come true. Lauren James. Lauren James will be the PFA Young Player of the Year. Oh, Ballon d'Or Player of the Year. Yeah, Young Player of the Year. Sure. That's uh, not bold. Yeah, so it, it could still come true. Or Ballon d'Or. Nominee. Should we say nominee for Ballon d'Or? That's madness. Oh yeah, it's completely I'd mental. question the validity of the, even if she has a stellar season, I'd question the validity of the Ballon d'Or if Lauren James is being nominated. But Whoa, then, you haven't seen the rest you of her season. Seen you haven't half of her season. She is going to be on smoke. I was watching compilation videos of her last night just like, Flip flapping, just like she she puts teams to bed. But like. I still think it needs to, you need to have some credibility of being a you know a couple of consistent seasons of achieving. So have you seen the Ballon d'Or said, nominees before yeah, in the past? It's not always bold. Brilliant. I've been bold. Yeah. Chloe, right? it said be bold. Sorry. <laughs> Back off. Sorry, I What's don't your know. bold prediction? <laughs> Come on, it's going to be Man United, isn't it? <laughs> oh my Man God! Win the WSL. <laughs> it's actually not going to happen. Man United aren't going to win the WSL, but you can say it because it's bold. Weirdly enough, it does involve Man United. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've lost it I've absolutely lost it I've not had breakfast this morning I've only had water I've absolutely lost it Uh, Man United making it to the Champions League spot I didn't go WSL that's not bold and you didn't let me finish you jumped in there Leah Golton wins the Ballon (laughs) d'Or Mary Earps for the Ballon d'Or no that that should also be one but also England winning the Women's World That's Cup. not bold. That's going to happen. She doesn't understand the question, I don't think. <laughs> I think you've got to go for something slightly outrageous that if it came true, you would look so good. No, bold. And it's, probably, it's like Farrah Williams doing the 4-0 in the semi-final. That, didn't you at the top of the show say that uh, England were one of the favourites? Yeah. For the World Cup. Yeah, but it's So still, it's not bold to say that. Well, they've still got to sort of win an entire tournament in Australia and New Zealand. You know, the, 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 the time difference. But... Rachel basically said, Bayern Munich or Wolfsburg are winning the Champions League. That's bold. Thank you. I, I don't think that's as bold as mine. What, England win the World Cup after being the best team in Europe and beating the current World Cup holders in September? Don't come at me just because you said Lauren October? James for the Ballon d'Or. I just think that's that's just... Lauren James for Ballon d'Or. You heard it here first, guys. I'm going to look really smart in... Uh, well, what, when's Ballon d'Or? thing is, she's going to brag if she gets her bold statements right, even though they weren't that... Bold. Yeah, one hundred percent. Last last podcast, you won't be in the studio, and I'll have to deal with this. Yeah, Man United for Champions we'll bring League. bring you back. That's in. going to happen. We will bring you back. I know. I know what I've said is mind blowing. It's like, geez, <laughs> mic drop type vibes. But I'm not talking to you in Australia on the Cup final day. Why? When England win it? Why? What? Why would you not? 
because it has to be enough. a prediction, doesn't it? Something that you think could come. It didn't true. say prediction; it said bold prediction. All right, now we've wasted twenty minutes discussing what bold. You really means. love and exaggerate. It's been about five. I want to know in the comments, people. <laughs> let us know on Twitter what your thoughts are on the word. How bold, bold is what? Is yeah. what Chloe's prediction. Who's is. been the boldest? Let's play that competition. <laughs> All right. Well, that's a question for the listeners. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today on Upfront. We hope you're as hyped. Uh, for a bold 2023 <laughs> as we are. In the meantime, let us know how bold you think we've been. Uh, tweet us at Football Ramble. I am at Morgie underscore 89. Rach is at Girls on the Ball and Ceylon is at Ceylon Andy with an I, not a Y. Uh, we will see you next Tuesday. Upfront is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.